Hi everybody, I'm Bill Little here with Steve Green and Scott Ott, and this is your Right Angle program. And sorry about the hair, by the way, I spent the whole morning cleaning my plastic rods with wool, and that probably was a mistake on my part. Uh, in any event, uh, it's Christmas here on the West Coast, and, and already we're starting to see these signs of the uh, holiday season. Uh, stores in San Francisco and New York are putting up their festive plywood covers over their windows and doors, and, and all across the West Coast in major cities, the magical shine and tinkle of razor wire going up around shopping malls can be seen. And it's enough to bring a tear to your eye if you're sentimental the way that I am. Uh, Steve, um, you've, you used to live in San Francisco. You've reported a lot on, on, on the decline of San Francisco. But now we've seen these flash mobs, these, these, these gun and grab kind of things where just basically here come a bunch of people. And uh, and off we go. Retailer at a, a major mall here in Los Angeles has put up a razor wire. It's a form of razor wire. It's basically looks like razor wire. In any event, it's giant coils of wire. Now they take it down in the daytime, of course, because you don't want people to uh, to think that there's a problem here. But uh, the uh, some representative for the LAPD said that we can no longer guarantee your safety if you're a tourist in Los Angeles, which I found a little unusual because I never thought my safety was particularly guaranteed. But in any event, this crime wave is 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 reaching such proportions, Steve, that that um, that limousine liberals in Beverly Hills are going out and buying handguns and learning how to use them. What on earth do you think could be causing this absolutely inexplicable, inexplicable, you know, a breakdown, unexplained? Uh, breakdown in order and uh, respect for the law. George Soros own district attorneys. Oh, please explain. <laughs> well, uh, what's your uh, LADA's name? I, I, I wrote a thing on him last week, but I, I, I can't remember his Mephistopheles, name. I think, is what yeah, comes to mind. I don't yeah. recall directly. He's one of uh, several, more than several now, uh, district attorneys in various cities across the United States, including Chicago, including St. Louis, my hometown, including San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Austin, Texas. So I can remember off the, the top of my head. But they got, oh, uh, Philadelphia, too, um, mm -hmm. who got uh, huge, unprecedented for DA races, infusions of cash from a Soros organization, promising, you know, good feeling reform policing, uh, eliminate cash bail because it's unfair to minorities and such. And we're not going to prosecute so-called lifestyle crimes. Now, I don't know whose lifestyle it is to rip off uh, the Walgreens so many times that they closed six locations in San Francisco. But there you have it. So, yeah, it comes down to the, the, the Soros DAs and there's a uh, recall uh, movement against Chesa Boudin in uh, in San Francisco. By the way, he was the uh, son of two terrorists who went to jail for murder. He was raised by two terrorists, uh, Bill Ayers and uh, what's her name? And uh, he volunteered to work for uh, uh, Hugo Chavez down in Venezuela. Now he's San Francisco's DA. So this this is how these and things work out. He's the kind of guy who's saying we're not going to enforce the law. We've got to be tough on the police department. That's where the problem is. And now all of a sudden, yeah. we have and, uh, barricaded stores and, and flash mobs in San Francisco, Steve. But that, that surely there's no correlation between no, these two. None, none these two whatsoever. Things. 
Uh, you know, and as a sort of a libertarian leaning conservative, I'm not what you would call a law and order guy. But you can't do what these DAs are doing. They are on purpose destroying the justice systems in their own cities, essentially to make them unlivable because that works for uh, for Soros. And I hate having to talk about him like a Bond villain. But let's face it, you could plop him in almost any Bond movie as the villain and make it a scarier movie. Um, it's just the way he is. Uh, well, let, let, let me elaborate on that for a yeah. second because it's important. So let's just take George Soros out of it. Sure. Let's just say that there's a big spigot of money because it's George Soros is not doing all of this personally. No, no, he, he picks the right He is funding people. political. Yeah. He's funding political parties. He's funding individual candidates. What is the philosophy behind this unprecedented crime spree and and this? Utter, utter and total disregard for, for private property as we understand. Well, number one, it's a really bad thing. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Number two, I don't think it'll work because we're already seeing resistance. The conspiracy theory part of it sounds like a conspiracy theory is the uh, the, the, the global elites, to use that, that phrase I kind of hate, um, really don't like a rambunctious, liberty-minded America because we're dangerous to them in the sense that we are uh, – a free America is innovative and destroys uh, entrenched, in, in, entrenched wealth. Uh, our economy innovates too quickly. Uh, it's in a very American expression to say from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. That is, the uh, young scrappy person starts the business. The second generation becomes uh, wealthy based on what they learned from the first generation. And the third generation squanders it all away. It's a very American thing. But if you want to be your entrenched billionaire family for generations down the line, you can't afford that kind of innovation. You can't afford a rambunctious, liberty-minded America. So the idea, I believe, is to make America so unlivable that we'll insist on the kind of draconian measures that will destroy liberty in this country and tame us, make us a safe place that doesn't threaten all of these entrenched interests. Uh, but we're already seeing the pushback against it, so I don't think it's going to work. Uh, let me say one more thing. I know I've gone on way too long here, but one of the reasons I love Cancun is it's uh, that city in Mexico that looks like a real first world city, and it barely even existed 50 years no, that's ago. that's exactly right. I love going to Cancun. You go to Los Angeles now, it looks like a third world sh Oh, pardon my language. I would rather go to Cancun at night than Los Angeles during the day. Without question. Without question. This city is no longer, you can't compare Los Angeles to Cairo or Istanbul. That's insulting Cairo and Istanbul. Yeah. The closest analogy I've seen to what, what's going on in LA is, is Mogadishu. Uh, Scott, this is not just a one-off. This isn't just somebody rating things. We're seeing... Um, I recall uh, not too long ago, I recall seeing guys outside of the local mall at night, two guys with AR-15s, and I've never seen that before, especially in suburban America. So um, do you think this has anything to do with this war on police or any of the other social um, movements we've seen over the last couple of years? Were the AR-15 guys protecting the store or attempting to they attack? They were, it? yes, they were. They were. They were uniform security. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, what uh, the signal it sends if the district attorney says that we're going to treat some crimes as lifestyle crimes, no harm, no foul, the insurance company will pay for it. Uh, you know, what difference does it make? We have much more important things on our plate. When you start sending that signal, what the signal you send to private businesses is you're on your own um, and therefore you have to provide your own security. And frankly, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think everybody ought to assume they're on their own anyway and provide for their own security. I don't think you should expect, uh, you know, the old saying that uh, when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. Um, in Los Angeles, it probably means hours away or they're just not coming. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that a lot of smart retailers will be saying, you know, it's it's on our plate to provide for the security of our persons, uh, our employees, our customers, and our property. And I think that's the part of the equation that gets left out here is these kinds of communities where these crimes are happening, uh, the people hardest hit by these crimes are not the fat cat you know, owners of stores. It's really the people who shop in those neighborhoods and the people who live in those neighborhoods and the people who are employed in not super duper jobs. I mean, you're, you've got a lot of people who are getting paid 15 dollars an hour, uh, a little more, a little less to work in retail who are now in not only in jeopardy uh, for their lives and their health, but also for their jobs as a result of these gangs that the district attorney has telegraphed to uh, that if you do this, nobody's really going to stand in your way. I mean, there are there are greater societal forces at work here. We talked about one in our episode this week about New York City's new schools chancellor, where there is this failure of the public education system that leaves uh, black and Hispanic students behind a huge majority of those folks and uh, what what some people have called the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, And then you've got this general zeitgeist in the media that says that it's okay to bash the the fat cat capitalists. So somebody who runs a store that sells nice things uh, de facto must be a bad person who is getting ill-gotten gains and their customers are people who receive ill-gotten gains. And so it's okay morally to go after them because it doesn't really harm anybody that matters and it's not really going to pinch their pocketbooks. So who cares if you break the window and steal the stuff or come in with a crowd and and boost as many things as you possibly can. Um, And then the other factor is the the fact that there's just no swift justice in this country. And I don't mean kangaroo courts. I mean, there's, there's no way for the average prosecutor to take somebody from the police and move them through the justice system fairly and rapidly so that it comes to a resolution and they're either in jail on parole or set free, depending on the verdict uh, and how that happens. And so all of these factors combine to create an atmosphere in which gangs look at it from a strategic point of view and a tactical point of view and say, hey, you know what? Those two security guys with AR-15s, even if they have AR-15s, they're going to have a hard time resisting two or three dozen people who come in all at once and they don't want to shoot us, especially if we're just stealing property. As long as we don't hurt anybody, they're going to let us go because they can't deal with us all at once. Um, and most stores do not have guys with AR-15s. Many have security guards who aren't even armed. Uh, so if you're the, if you're a business person, really the best way you can deal with this is adapting your security protocols and staffing and your store hours to best protect your employees, the organization, and your customers. Um, if you're in the district attorney's office, uh, if I were you, I'd start freshening your resume because if you start uh, running an organization that can't do what is the primary promise of that uh, organization of justice, well, you better start looking for another job. I wish you were right about that, but that's not the case. Um, the people who are who are 
making the orders to not arrest people are the people like district attorneys, and they are elected and continue to be elected, and they continue to do what they're doing. And this idea that every store needs to be responsible for its own security and provide basically an armed cordon around its outside so that it's not assaulted and completely ruined by raving, roving mobs of people who've determined that they can get away with whatever they want to is not the solution that a civilized society would particularly care for. That's why you have a police department. That's why you have a district attorney. That's why you have law enforcement. And much more to the point, that's why you have law. But I've looked for two or three years now. In fact, before the George Floyd riots, I watched people like Antifa smash and burn things on television every night with not only with impunity, but being celebrated for it. And then a couple of years ago, I watched the entire country burn. I watched people coming out of stores. I watched policemen who were ordered to stand there and do nothing. I've seen policemen ordered to stand there and do nothing while Antifa beat up Christians or whatever the case may be. They sit in their cars and you ask them, why aren't you doing anything? And they're told because we're told we're not allowed to or we will. We've been ordered not to. If you have a, a political system that glorifies criminal elements that, that turns every act of looting into a political expression, then you're going to get more looting. It's very simple. Whatever you subsidize, you get more of. And we've been subsidizing this idea that, that smashing windows is a form of social justice. I'm going to break into uh, to this store and I'm going to come out with, with, with three flat TVs, three gigantic flat screen TVs worth of worth of uh, reparations. And that's not me talking. That is what that is what some at least some members of the Black Lives Matter movement said explicitly. Go ahead, smash them open. This is reparations. So this is the world that the Democrats and the progressives have created. This is the world that we're going to live with. And and it is a savage, brutal world. And And this idea, by the way, that Scott mentioned that, that these are like local neighborhood stores and it's the poor people that suffer the most. This isn't that. This is completely different. I was in L.A. for the L.A. Uh, riots with um, with Rodney King, and I'm seeing what's going on now. These are not people who are burning down their neighborhoods out of a sense of rage. These are people who are launching raids on extremely high-end stores in Beverly Hills and in Brentwood. And this is where the real value and the real money is. This is what happens when you have basically broadcast to the nation that in this city, the police are the bad guys and the criminals are, 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 are protesters expressing their, uh, their, their constitutional rights to, uh, to have mostly peaceful process, protests. It's going to continue to get worse and then it'll get better. We did an episode uh, this week on the situation in New York where, where the school board has now been given over to a person who as a result of this newly elected mayor who's bringing law and order to New York after a notable long absence, has decided to bring charter schools and, and go after the public sector unions too. Eventually, when enough rich people stuff burns down, when enough Beverly Hills houses have been broken into, Beverly Hills, by the way, is buying guns like there's no tomorrow and going out trying to get training for it. And more and more often you're hearing people say, you know, I was really all about gun control, but now I'm starting to really wonder because now it's my stuff. That's that's actually being threatened. No, it's actually my life that's at risk. So all of a sudden, my attitude on being able to work to defend yourself has changed noticeably. We're seeing this everywhere we look, We're seeing it all up and down the coast. We're seeing it in all the big cities. Crime has doubled in in eight cities across the nation, and everybody's absolutely astonished. It's unexplainable. There's no way to possibly explain it. 
when you are a police officer or a district attorney and you tell the people in your city that the police are the problem, then you're going to get this. And we're going to get more of it and more of it and more of it. And you know what's going to be the short-term solution to this problem, guys? You know what's going to stop people from breaking into stores in the not-too-distant future? There's not going to be anything in the stores. That's what's going to stop it. There's not going to be anything in the stores. not going to be anything on the shelves. not going to be anything worth stealing. That's, that's the end game of progressivism in, uh, in this country. People voted for it. I live in a state where they vote for it. So they're going to get it and they're going to keep getting it until they find it's their windows that are being broken, not somebody else's. And then things eventually will slowly start to change. I hope I'm alive to see the day, but I'm not counting on it. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Radio.